You're listening to the Forefront Church Sermon Podcast. Forefront Church is a progressive Christian community more interested in asking good questions than having all the right answers. Thanks for listening. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Palm Sunday. I have my antiviral tissue that I am waving around, and it's all very exciting. Um, yeah, you know, Palm Sunday, it's an interesting day. Like, we celebrate it. And then at the same time, it's this terrible shattering of expectations. So let's talk about that for a minute. And this is, at this point, I think a rhetorical question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. When was the last time your expectations were absolutely shattered? Like, when was the last time uh, things didn't turn out like you thought they would, like not even close? Right? And like I said, it's kind of rhetorical as for like the past month. I think we're living in that time. We're living in the midst of shattered expectations. I know for me, you know, we just canceled my family's spring break vacation. That's a shattered expectation. I'm sad. It turns out that all my hobbies involve non-essential businesses. So that's great. Uh, I'm sad about that as well. Um, And then I'm really deeply sad about the fact that there are people who are sick and there are people who uh, are financially not doing well, people who have lost jobs. That's not at all what we expected, what you expected. And Palm Sunday, like, it matters. It matters because Palm Sunday is all about shattered expectations as well. There's something we can learn about what we're going through now from this day. So I'm going to talk about that a little bit. And the way I want to talk about it is I want to tell you about a prophecy. This was a prophecy that the people of Israel had. It came from the book of Zechariah. And the people of Israel, they cared deeply about this prophecy. In fact, what they would do is is they would talk about it around like dinner tables and they would talk about it at night. They would tell their kids about this prophecy before they went to bed. And the prophecy went something like this. It said, you know what? At some point, God is going to stop all the oppression that's happening to Israel. All of it's going to stop. It's going to become uh, to a point where we are independent. And, and what's going to happen is the oppressors that have constantly tormented us will be no more. And so that comes from the book of Zechariah. And so this whole time, you know, for hundreds of years, people are like, okay, there's going to be a time where a Messiah comes and stops our tormentors and stops our oppressors. And how will we know when that time comes? And it says this, it says, say to daughter Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the full of a donkey. So you have a nation that's basically like, okay, when we see a Messiah coming in on a donkey into Jerusalem, then we know this is our time of independence. This is our time of freedom. This is our time of revolution. This is it. The Messiah Messiah will be here and the prophecy will be happening. And so that's exactly what goes down. It says this, it says, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. And this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say his daughter Zion, see your king, comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the full of a donkey. And the disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and they placed their cloaks on them for Jesus to sit on. And a very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went ahead of them and those that followed shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. This is huge. This is really huge. In fact, this is war. 
that's what's going on right now. I know that sounds crazy, but this is absolutely war. Hosanna, we just sang about Hosanna. I love singing. I love when Angela sings, and I, you know, I'm glad that we have that love when we're singing Hosanna. But do y'all know what Hosanna means? Hosanna literally translates into save us. Save us. And not like, uh, oh, save me. Like, no, it's like I'm drowning. Hosanna. Like, that's when you would say it. You would say it like in times of deep trouble. Hosanna, save us. Say you've been kidnapped. You would yell out, Hosanna, save us. Right? So these people are screaming, save us, because they know that the prophecy is coming into place. They're ready for revolution. They're ready for war. This isn't a time. This isn't a parade. It's not like, oh, look. No, this is like a time where people are getting ready to go into battle. And so what do they start doing? They start cutting palm branches and they start laying those palm branches on the ground. Now, this is huge. And I'm going to tell you why it's huge right now. Laying palm branches on the ground, like the Israelites were doing for Jesus, that was illegal. And I'm going to tell you why it was illegal. You see, Jesus is coming into Jerusalem from the east and he's coming on a donkey and he's coming on a donkey. And this is amazing. But on the west, we have a whole nother parade that's going on. We have a a whole nother war that's getting ready to happen. You see, the Roman Empire is coming in from the west and they're not coming on donkeys. They're coming on war horses with chariots and they're coming with with armor, bows and arrows and shields. And there are statues of Caesar and King Herod is there. And you have to understand, King Herod, um, he's not like the king. He's sort of like Mike Pence to Donald Trump right now. But he's still powerful. You know, he's still got something going for him. And so he's there. And what happens is they're reminding everybody of all the victories that the Roman Empire has won. And so how would you, how would you uh, celebrate a victory in the time of the Roman Empire? You'd celebrate it by waving palm branches. In fact... There were so many victories that happened during the Roman Empire that those victories became synonymous with palm branches so that whenever Rome won a battle, they would just say, we've won a palm. We have a palm, right? That's what they would say. That's how synonymous these palm trees were with the Roman Empire and the battles that they won, right? And so if anybody else is laying down palms, if anybody else is breaking palms, well, that's illegal because that's basically saying we're going to have victory over the Roman Empire. And so this parade, this Roman Empire parade, you know, they also have palm branches that are being cut and waved around, right? It's a whole nother parade happening on the other side. And why are they having a parade? Well, they're having a parade because it's Passover. And if you, know, if you don't know, Passover is uh, the Jewish remembrance of independence, the time that Israel was freed from the Egyptians. So the, the Roman Empire is like, we don't want the Israelites getting any ideas. We don't want any uprisings or revolutions. So they're going up to Jerusalem to this place called the Antonia Fortress. It was named after Mark Antony, fun fact, right? But the Antonia Fortress, it had about 60 acres. It held about 7,000 soldiers and it had walls that were about 60 to 100 feet high so that basically a soldier could just sit up there and then shoot down with bow and arrow anybody who tried to start revolution, start battle, whatever. So the Roman Empire has got their own parade going, but it doesn't matter because the prophecy has come to fruition. It's here. And so people are like, Hosanna, save us. We're about to go into battle. In fact, we're so confident in this battle. We're cutting down our own palm leaves. And Jesus is there and he's ready and he goes into Jerusalem. And where is he going? Is he going towards the towards the fortress? Is he going to the Antonia fortress? No, he's not. He makes a turn towards the temple, which is okay, because he's probably getting people who can help him, right? And then all of a sudden he gets to the temple. And what does Jesus do right at the culmination of this battle? Jesus starts to 
starts to cry, starts to weep, starts to wail. This wasn't like a little cry, right? This isn't like, um, it's not the cry when you're tired. It's, it's not the cry when you have too much to drink. You all know that cry. No, it's not that cry. This is like a wail. I have to imagine that it's the wail that's been heard throughout New York City and the hospitals over the past two weeks is person after person doesn't have what they need and have succumbed to this pandemic. I have to imagine it's that kind of cry. I have to imagine it's the cry of the shattered expectations for all of us who have lost jobs. It's the cry that we have when life isn't exactly what it's supposed to be. It's that kind of cry. Have you cried that cry? It's all right if you have. Shattered expectations. And that's exactly what happens with Jesus. He cries because of shattered expectations. In fact, this is what he says. He says this. He, see, he says, if you even you had only known on this day what would bring you peace. But now it is hidden from your eyes. And the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. And they will dash you to the ground and the children within your walls. And they will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. And oh my, this isn't anything like a revolution. This is nothing like a battle. This is... This is Jesus telling them that they're going to be soundly defeated. They're going to be crushed, in fact. Wow. You see the people that were laying the palm leaves down, they're like, this is not at all what I expected. I better get out of here before the Roman Empire decides to arrest me or something like that. You got to imagine other people are like, I thought this guy was the Messiah. I've been telling my children about this prophecy forever, and you're telling me it's not going to come true. I'm out. Why is Jesus crying, though? Jesus is crying over his own shattering of expectations. Jesus is crying because you have this temple, right? And this temple is supposed to stand for all that's good. And instead it's a racket where people are losing their life savings and priests are, are making tons of money off the backs of the poor. And Jesus is crying because you have the pastors of the time. They call them Pharisees, but they're pastors. And the pastors of the time are saying, Jesus, tell the people to be quiet. And why are they saying, Jesus, tell the people to be quiet? Because the pastors, see, they're in with, with the Roman Empire. They're nationalists. And all of a sudden, religion is associated with nationalism. And we know nothing about that, right? right? But that's what's happening. And that's why Jesus is crying. In fact, Jesus tells them, hey, if I stop talking, the rocks will cry out. And I think Jesus is weeping because the rocks don't cry out. I think Jesus is weeping because the people say, oh, Jesus, you eat with sinners. And the reason they were, were called sinners was not because they did anything egregious. They were called sinners because they were poor. They were minorities. They were disabled. And you see, back in those times, people thought that if you were poor, minority or disabled, it must have meant that you did something wrong, something to offend God. And so, of course, you sinned. And what Jesus is saying is these people, these people have as much right to be here as you do. We need to create equity for these people. And they're saying, no, they're not allowed in. In the name of God, they're not allowed in. And Jesus weeps over that. Jesus weeps over the unmet expectations that the kingdom that Jesus was bringing is not here. And so he cries. It's nothing like we expected on Palm Sunday. Nothing like I expected on Palm Sunday. Nothing like we expected on Palm Sunday. I miss you all. I don't want to be sitting in a room with half of a boat blade coming off the wall. I don't want to be here. I want to be with you all. 
And it's not what we expected because our government, no matter what side you're on, is doing a ton of work to divide us instead of unite us. And that hurts. And that's difficult. And it's nothing like we expected because we're going to have Easter next week and Easter next week is going to be right here once again on Facebook. And maybe that's okay. But it's not what we expected. And it's nothing like Jesus expected either because all of a sudden disciples, they bolt, they're gone. You know, nobody tries to help them. They're all like, well, I'm going to get arrested now because I believed in this prophecy too. And it's nothing like I expected. Peter goes and denies Jesus. Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus prays this prayer. He says, let this cup pass over me. The cup doesn't pass over him. That doesn't happen. Jesus gets arrested. He gets beaten. Pilate shows up and Pilate says, like, why should I should let this guy go? And Pilate's wife says, you should let him go. And yet Pilate doesn't let him go. The people let this, this notorious prisoner, they let him go instead. You know what you have to do to be called notorious, right? Think about the people that we call notorious. Had to be bad. And they let him go instead of Jesus. Nobody saves Jesus. What's done is done. The expectations are shattered and the kingdom does not come. And so maybe that's it. Maybe this is it for Palm Sunday. Maybe it's a shattering of expectations and maybe we wait for next week for resurrection, for hope. But I don't want to do that today. And I don't think you want to do that today either because the truth is we need a little hope right now. We need to know that God's kingdom is here in some way and in some place and that that there are glimpses of what Jesus was coming to show us. There are glimpses of the road that Jesus was traveling down on a donkey with palm trees laying on the ground. There are glimpses of that victory, and I want to see that too. And so here's where I find that, that victory. Here's where I find that hope. It comes when Jesus talks to Pilate. Pilate says, hey, talk to me about this kingdom you were trying to bring. And Jesus says this. He says, my kingdom is not an earthly kingdom. If it were, my followers would fight to keep me from being handed over to Jewish leaders. But my kingdom is not of this world. I love this. Like when I was young, I used to think this meant heaven. Like Jesus was talking about heaven. And what Jesus was saying was like, my kingdom was when we all like are up on clouds with big mansions. And we're all holding hands and singing Kumbaya. And that's not it either. Sorry to disappoint you all. Uh, That's another shattered expectation, maybe. Now, you know what Jesus is basically saying? He's saying, what I'm bringing is so good. It's so inclusive. It's so loving. It's so gracious. It's so uniting. It's so healing that you can't even fathom it. You have no idea what it looks like now. You can't even live in that headspace. You can't live in that schema. You can't live in that worldview because it's nothing like you've ever seen before. And you know what brings me hope on Palm Sunday? It's that kingdom because I see it in our church. I see that kingdom happening every single day that we deal with this pandemic. We deal with the shattered expectations. This church brings a little tiny bit of that kingdom that Jesus marched into Jerusalem for. I want to shout out Sarah New, who inherited a 1998 Toyota Corolla and has been driving around town, giving supplies and medicine to people in need. That is a glimpse of the kingdom that Jesus is coming to bring in the midst of shattered expectation. Eric Callahan is a good friend of mine. Um, If you know Eric, then you know he likes to do two things. Talk about sports and be left alone. And yet every week, Eric has been doing happy hours for us so that we uh, understand what it means to work from home better. And that is the kingdom of heaven. That is it. That is what Jesus comes to bring. Actually, he did it one week. But still, that's a really important thing. That's a really, really good thing. That's big for Eric. And that's the kingdom of heaven in the midst of shattered expectations. 
It's every single one of you reaching out to one another. It's every single one of you doing the work. It's you saying things like this. Well, I'm really sick right now and I need help. But the second I get better, I'm going to go help somebody else, which you have literally said. That is bringing the kingdom of heaven to this place. That is the kingdom that Jesus rides in for on this Palm Sunday. Our expectations may be shattered right now. It's not anything like it was supposed to be. But we have a responsibility. We have an option. We have a charge to see this prophecy fulfilled. And the way that we see this prophecy fulfilled is by bringing the kingdom of heaven that Jesus works to bring. And yeah, right now it doesn't feel like it's of this world. And yet y'all are bringing it. And so the question that I have today for us is in the midst of all of this, in the midst of the pain, in the midst of the shattered expectations, in the midst of the fact that I'm waving around a tissue instead of a palm leaf, what are we going to do the rest of this week to bring about this kingdom? And how are we going to bring hope when things aren't what they're supposed to be? And if we can do that, then we're going to be a part of something that's to come, something that's amazing, something that's great. And that is... That is the point where death does not win, where this pandemic does not win. It does not beat us. And there is unity and there is resurrection and there is new life. What will you do today to bring that? And what will you do today to usher in a wonderful and hopeful Palm Sunday? We all pray with me. God, I'm, um, I'm sad. And so for those of us who need to be sad, let us grieve. Let us weep like Jesus wept. For those of us who have to weep over shattered expectations, God, let us do that. Let us grieve well. Let us grieve with one another. God, for those of us who thought life was going to look a lot different, Lord, we pray for peace. And we pray um, that those who have lost money, those who are sick, those who have lost jobs, that you would lift them up right now. And that we as a community would continue to lift them up right now. God, we pray that in the midst of everything seemingly gone wrong and when it seems like you've disappeared, help us to see that you are still there and give us those glimpses. And when we can't see those glimpses, let us be a glimpse for one another of this new kingdom that is to come. And as we go through Holy Week, God, let us bring unity instead of divisiveness. Let us bring peace instead of the sword. And let us bring palms that will signify a victory that is still to come. We pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Forefront Sermon Podcast. To learn more about Forefront and how we're ushering in the next 500 years of Christianity, visit ForefrontChurch.com.